Hi, I'm Dr. Drew, and this is Dr. Drew After Dark. Please be advised that Dr. Drew After Dark may contain sexually oriented content and be unsuitable for young children. And welcome to another episode of Dr. Drew After Dark. We appreciate it, you guys. Thanks for the emails at drdrewafterdark at gmail.com. And, of course, those voice messages at 818-253-1693. And don't forget the merch, the merchandise at merchmethod.com slash Tom Segura, all the embarrassing T-shirts that we've created. I appreciate that. And it's my privilege to welcome Taylor Tomlinson to the show. Taylor, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you having yeah. me. Applause from the back room. Oh, this is thank awesome. you. Wow, look at this treatment. And I think we had your partner on, did we not? Kelsey? Yes, you had Kelsey. Yes, Kelsey Cook, who I do she, my podcast She was with. great. Yes. Tell us about awesome. that podcast. Uh, we have a podcast called Self Helpless. Uh, me, Kelsey, and uh, our friend Delaney Fisher. Uh, we all basically just break down different types of uh, self-help, self-improvement, and decide whether or not we think they're bullshit. But we're also like three young white ladies, so usually we're like, this really worked for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, she and I were talking about the fact that it, there's been a you know an industry of books for self-help for the last 40 years. Yes. Are we healthier, better, happier? None of the above. I mean, we're more aware of how messed up we are, though. Is that anything? Uh, I'm not. No, I'm Is not sure something? I can say that. I, not... I wonder. I, I've, I was just talking to a friend of mine about this at lunch, about how, like, does that make it easier to date? you if you're like a self-aware person or harder because you just come into it like these are my issues this is how you need to treat me i think easier or harder is really dependent on your pathology not your awareness about your pathology okay you know what i'm saying now if you're in the middle of treatment for your pathology Uh then you might shut up you might not talk about it anyway you know what i'm saying (laughs) yeah i guess that's true all right or you might think of it differently it's not something needs to be talked about it's something needs to be experienced right so uh, that's one of my big complaints about self-help it's strictly cognitive and mm-hmm. are and you know thinking about things and doing you know just it's just thinking about stuff essentially or ways of thinking about things and that is only so deep. Oh, the, 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 okay. our emotional systems get left out of the entire conversation, except for the fact that if you make real change, then you'll feel a certain way mm-hmm. about having made that change. But that is again sort of left out of the self help operation. You the actual to, incorporation of figuring out what that was. You know, like so let's say I. I was talking to somebody the other day who um, finally, with support of a therapist, was able to <coughs> essentially end a relationship mm-hmm. uh, that she'd been thinking about ending for a long time. And she left the situation and cried for like four hours and just was overwhelmingly sad. Even though the relationship had been done for a long time, she wasn't happy with it. And I thought, well, that's the feeling you were avoiding. And where did that mm-hmm. feeling come from? Well, my parents broke up, 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 up. And so, uh, yeah, so, yeah. but that's important. That's what prevented her from making the change in the first place was avoiding that feeling. Self-help would never tell you anything about that. Yeah, maybe not. Although I will say, because I'm like that too, like I have a hard time breaking up with people because, and I know all the reasons why, and I know all the reasons why I feel the way I do and where all those feelings come from, but it doesn't make me want to avoid them any less. It's exactly the point. Yeah. It's exactly the point. But I am aware of them. Another version of the point, which is, yes, these, these, it's how do you incorporate these experiences and how do you regulate them and how do you, in spite of these feelings, do things you want to do. And yeah, I do feel like that the awareness helps me move past them quicker though. In the same way, like when I started going to therapy in high school, um, I was like very, very depressed and I went in and she was like, you are extremely anxious. Like you have anxiety and that's depressing you. She's like, so it goes hand in hand. She's like, but the core, like the core root issue is your anxiety. 
And like, I didn't know what a panic attack was. I was like, oh, that's what's happening to me. And once I knew what was happening, it doesn't mean it's never going to happen again, but it did help me manage it, manage it. Yeah. To be able to say in those moments, you're bringing up an interesting piece here of, of uh, mood disturbances is some people have overwhelming anxiety and that makes them depressed. Some people have depression and they have agitation and anxiety as a feature of their depression. Mm. And some people have both. Yeah. You as a depression feature. And well, it <laughs> like just, it's a car. Like well, if, the features on this one. <laughs> well, feature in the sense that if the depression is treated, the anxiety goes away. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. if you have both, you can treat the depression. You still have the anxiety. Yeah. And, and if you have what you had, you've got to treat the anxiety. So the depression goes away. Yes. Which is kind of, it's weird how we're wired up that way. No one ever talks about that either in self-help. So what else are you, uh, what are you like lately focusing on in these self-help books? Oh, for, for the podcast like what you, what, or what just me personally? In? What are you interested in in that category? Oh, I mean, the podcast is nice because there's three of us and we all have different things. And I mean, we talk about self-help is such a broad you know, topic. I think that's why we picked it. Cause we're like, well, we'll never run out of things to talk. I and mean, we've done episodes on like veganism. Like we're pretty open. And some of it's in motivational stuff. Yeah. And some of it's lifestyle and yeah. health and whatever. It, it's yeah. really, what yeah, I would like? say more self improvement. What have you got something out of? Um, oh gosh, I don't know. I, I we had, we had a death doula on maybe like six What's months ago. She's, she's this amazing. I know she's this, I'm like, <laughs> you can hear people laughing in the sound booth. Uh, it wasn't meant she, to be funny guys. Yeah. Uh, her name's Lua Arthur. She's amazing. She just like helps people, uh, make like their end of life plan essentially. And not just people who are dying, like people who just want to do that even when they're healthy. But she like works with families and people who are, she's like a one woman hospice, like a more personal, version of that but she was very interesting and that was something i never would have known about yeah. if we hadn't been doing this podcast oh, i think yeah. delaney found her yeah, yeah yeah um like and then we'll do some episodes on just like worrying and like things like that like there's just never there's never any shortage of of things to get better at so when you were this is high school you started started uh therapy yes and yeah, yeah. you were depressed and anxious how mm-hmm. come uh, and by the way, you don't seem at all that now. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm uh, medicated uh, newly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to misrepresent myself. This is a new thing. <laughs> I have a very big green tea with me. Um, I put on lipstick for this. I uh, I was really really depressed. I didn't know that was what was happening. And a friend of mine, uh, she's still my best friend, was like, "I think you. I think you're dealing with depression." And I was like, "I don't even know what you're talking about." But like, <laughs> I lost. Uh, I lost my mom really young when i was a kid what happened um she had cancer mm. pretty pretty uh pretty standard you know how old were you i was eight and mm. then i have three younger sisters who were two uh four and six years old Oof. and then my dad got remarried like a year later and then we moved you said two younger sisters three ah. yeah yeah two four six and yeah and then i was eight years old yeah. and uh, then my dad got remarried pretty quickly and she's like amazing but she's very different and we had like some Issues. friction and yeah. getting used to each other and we like moved from Northern California to Southern California. It was a lot of different changes and, uh, you know, went from having like a stay at home mom to, you know, my dad, and my son, I'm working all the time. And, um, I think there were just a lot of different factors. Like we had, uh, since my parents worked all the time, you know, from the time we were, and then before that, my mom was sick from the time we were really young, we always had like babysitters and nannies and things. And that's a very like temporary job. Like now that I'm the age that those women were when they were taking care of us, like that's not a job you keep for years and years. That's a thing you do for like eight to 12 months and then you leave. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking after kids who like 
just lost their maternal figure and then you come in like i love you you're like my little uh, sister and then you and, leave too yeah and like and we're always going to keep in touch and we're always uh, going to be friends and like saying all these things that they're not bad people for saying them they really thought those things but by stupid the time people yeah well they're not they weren't certified or anything so then we get to like the seventh or eighth one and i think i just turned into a real bitch by that point where i was like you're not going to keep in touch with us you can't say those things um and those are things i didn't even i didn't even think about until therapy as an adult was like oh that really affected me uh maybe more than anything else because those were like people choosing to leave you and then just sort of like yeah just all those different things i was insecure i think after my mom died i that like invincible bubble you feel as a child and a teen where you're like nothing bad's ever gonna happen to me bad things happen in movies and once something really bad happens to you you're like oh okay so i just need to be on the lookout all the time because i didn't see that one coming so maybe if i see it coming it won't come right which won't is hurt bullshit. me so much yeah or it won't hurt me so much even yeah. if it does did you screw with your relationships uh yeah definitely well and i was just uh, i was so nervous from the time i was like nine years old i had i had like insomnia i used to like wander around my house at night like just terrified that if i went to sleep the house would catch fire and my parents would die like horrible nightmares i still have horrible nightmares i take like an edible every night to sleep now like just it's just been does that help I know it people, does i know people get worse nightmares with edibles really yeah. i read somewhere that thc inhibits dreaming and can or can enhance it it can do it either yeah. yeah melatonin made my nightmares they worse. make them weird yeah. yeah they make them real weird um and even like sleeping pills and stuff so uh yeah the edibles were the only things that help so i'm i'm guessing you still given that the nightmares sort of bubble up do you still live with a certain amount of this what, what is oh, it oh yeah is it dread or pain oh definitely or? dread i think yeah. all of the above yeah. I feel like, am I throwing too much at you? No, I came in real all. hot with not the trauma. At not at all. <laughs> because because what I'm interested in, I can faintly attune to it with you, but mm -hmm. I don't see it on your on you. Which? I can attune to it. Like I can I can oh. feel it a little bit, mm -hmm. but I don't see it on you. Oh, you that's you good. You don't wear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm wearing foundation. So Aside from the makeup and foundation, <laughs> lipstick and gloss, uh, you, you seem, and I, I'm not going to buy that it's the medication. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think comedy and, and performing really does help, which is so funny because the actual performance aspect is is not as much as like the travel and the dread and the anxiety and the preparation that surrounds the actual performing. Like when you break down, you know, yeah, I'm on stage for six hours every weekend, but I'm in Wisconsin for 65 hours, you know, right. and that's all the time that comedy isn't helping these things like if anything this lifestyle of uncertainty and travel and constantly needing to prove yourself only exacerbates like those well, things well we have this weird thing as humans which is when things have been traumatic for us in childhood we are attracted to circumstances and people that are precisely the same as those that caused us the trauma in the first place right it's called a reenactment yeah and so that's why i'm I only have sex with dead people. Oh, interesting. That's, that was Everyone in the sound booth is laughing, you guys. So if you're listening going, that didn't I'm go great, it, I'm taking it's it going pretty well. Dead seriously. <laughs> so, so That's a joke. Everyone's uh, been alive. Uh, Some of them have been dead inside, but oh, not, that, well, that's not physically. Fascinating. But but uh, traumatic reenactments are really a common thing. Yeah. And, they, and they're neither here nor there until you go too far, then, you're, then you re-traumatize yourself. 
Yes. So sometimes it's just stuff you're attracted to and it kind of even can work for you, but then it goes too far. Right. When does it go too far for you? Ooh. Um, you know, I think I go back and forth um, in like romantic relationships. It could be anywhere. Yeah. It could be that. It could be your relationship with the audience. It could be the, the, the travel and yeah stressing yourself out with that or i mean i definitely i definitely lean in when people pull back even if it's not the right thing for me just because that feeling of uh loss and abandonment I can't deal with the loss and abandonment. can't deal with are you, losing are you preoccupied with loss and abandonment yes if i'm if i'm really happy i think something terrible is gonna happen but that's different that's catastrophizing yeah uh that's not constantly worried about because people that are really worried about abandonment will abandon Yes. They'll, they'll be the first to do it. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm like that in relationships too. At the beginning of every relationship, I'm very, and it's because I'm like, once I'm in, I'm really in and I will not leave. And it'll be really hard for me to, even if things are bad. So I'm like, I got to make sure this is good first. Um, but yeah, I, I will try to leave uh, for a little while, usually um, at like any sign of anything not being great. Will you have a big blow up or just leave? uh no different I'll just, versions of that yeah and it's hard to know because i i sometimes in my last relationship i think early on there were things that just it wasn't quite right but i was trying to fight against those patterns that i was aware of of like okay don't don't just like run because everything's not perfect but then those sometimes things make became stay, an issue sometimes that can make you stay too long exactly and then those things cropped up later as like no those are issues uh, that you should have listened to maybe at the beginning this was an engagement right yeah yeah so that's it's fine i mean whatever i have that's, to pick up a wedding dress in a few months but <laughs> i'll wear it for promotion or something <laughs> that's the medication i'll shorten it it'll be great <laughs> It's Cro a, crop it. Make a crop, crop top out of it. Do a crop top out of it. <laughs> I'll shorten it and go to Vegas. Um, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know if I should. Uh... I'm going to talk to Dennis Robin after we talk. Maybe he could use it. Yeah. <laughs> he likes wearing that stuff. <laughs> oh, there you go. That works. Uh, pay it forward. Yeah, no, that was that was a really hard that was a really hard thing to end. Uh, even knowing it wasn't right, because you're just at least you knew, at least you knew, right? But yeah. and it's so crazy because you we were only together for like little over a year, and um, I think it, it the the thing you were mourning more than the relationship was just like the future you had planned together. Mm. So it you were like mourning fantasies yeah yeah like you were mourning things from your imagination like you had to like work through and then you'll do this thing to yourself too where it's like and we had friends together and i'll lose them too and all this kind of all, everything yeah. you did it's all that you just you start amplifying it yes needlessly needlessly yes. absolutely and it's like just block them it's like just block them it's fine move on <laughs> move on and does does comedy performing does it serve a function at times like this yes oh absolutely i mean having something that you're obsessed with and can lean into i think always helps um but then you also like you feel like almost some resentment because if you gave up or or took time off from your career or missed opportunities or made somebody else or anything else a, a bigger priority than your career once it ends there's going to be some resentment that isn't their fault that's on you you made those decisions you decided that person was important but there's a little bit of you that's like well screw you then you're not you're not anything to me anymore because I got to catch up 
and make up for all the time that I took away from this thing. That's what, every time I go through a breakup, I'm like, oh, comedy's the only thing that's ever been there for me. Oh, that's interesting. Which is weird. And I started doing stand-up uh, when I was 16. So I started right when I started, maybe like a few months after I started going to therapy. How did you think of starting? Uh, I didn't think of starting. My dad wanted to take a stand-up comedy class together just to like hang out. And so we did. Is he funny? He is funny, yeah. He, d- I mean, he didn't like start doing stand-up or anything but what's he do for a living he's a realtor and your mom realtor my stepmom's a realtor and your biological mom she uh she was a stay-at-home mom she was staying home yeah and and that's such a random thing for a dad to bring a 16 year old daughter to yeah so interesting yeah someone at our church was gonna take it and he was like we should do this it'd be fun and it was honestly like it was a 40 minute drive to the church where they were doing the class. So I think he just wanted to like, he's a big fan of like the phone com- the, or the car conversation. Smart. Yeah. So he was like, you're going to go to college in a couple years. Like, let's hang out. Let's do this thing together. And uh, that was another thing I realized in therapy recently where I was like, oh, I think I've put a lot of um, my self-worth into being a stand-up comedian because before taking that class, I think I probably felt not that my dad was like a bad dad or anything, but he was just, he was working all the time. He was a little, he was like in a new marriage. Like he was kind of revamping his life. He was a teacher before that. So he was like in this whole new career. Career. Like he was just, he was very preoccupied. And I think when he, uh, and we fought a lot before that. And then once we took this class together, he kind of like for the first couple years, it was something that we could do together. And I think I probably internalized some of that in a way I didn't realize where I was like, Oh, I, I, I feel like the reason people love me and pay attention to me is because I'm a comedian. And if I weren't a comedian, I used to ask my fiance that I'm like, if I weren't a comedian, like, do you think you'd have fallen in love with me? And he was like, yeah, of course. And I'm like, I don't know though. I don't know if you would have. There's no control experiment. I know there's nothing. You can't just like, yeah. I mean, it, cause it so does I want to get that like logic right. So the logic was dad loves me because we're doing comedy together and therefore Not that, i knew he loved me but it was like this is why i'm worth spending time with because okay. i'm good at this thing did which he is faulty it? logic i get it no no it's a yeah, feeling yeah. Yeah. and did, did he uh is that he acknowledged your talent right off the top or was yeah it, yeah yeah he, he could tell yeah did he know you were funny when he asked you to do this class um he knew i was funny he knew i was a good writer but he didn't think i was gonna be like great at stand-up if i think if anything he said he's like you can write for me like <laughs> For, oh, for his stand-up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Because <laughs> he's very performative, but... Uh, and and he, you live out here now? So I live out here now. And so does yeah. he? Yeah, he lives... Uh, they live in uh, Riverside County. So they're like two hours away. Comedy capital of the world. Comedy capital <laughs> of the world. Uh, San Bernardino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so what does it do for you now, comedy? Like, what is it anything about the relationship with the audience? Anything like... Yeah, I think I'm pretty personal in my material. And so I think um, selfishly it's uh there's something to people laughing at like painful things that happen to you and you're like i turn i had this pile of shit and i just turned it into this is just money now (laughs) (laughs) this is just an experience we're all having together and just being able to connect with people on that level um beyond just like making people laugh is like people coming up and going like oh man i have a dead parent and i laughed really hard at that material or like so it's a release your yeah or like you are saying exactly what i'm thinking yeah i think it's a collective release for sure and it's like i'm an introvert and that's a lot i mean a lot of stand-ups are introverts um yeah it's like a safe way it's hard for the general public to understand a lot of performers are consider that 
think of themselves as introverted and when in yes. fact in fact you're not right you're not but your self-concept is that you are is that you think you're not no i mean but you may have that you may fundamentally be that way but you yeah. compensated for it yes you know I, mean? I think i figured and out so, so the yeah. average person would know that about you True. like i'm just, i'm absolutely introverted anxious i could never walk up to somebody and talk to them like in a public place or anything ever yes and, and yet when i say that people go no way yeah like, yeah i carefully compensated for a long time right you're like no i'm just really good at it <laughs> Dude. I'm just great at this. <laughs> you always get mad where you're like, do I, I know I just overcame my, but it's still there. That's still a part of me. Now I'm having a kind of an interesting experience um, watching you laugh. And, uh -huh. and I feel like we were talking about your dreams and that feeling of whatever that is that's oh, yeah. come up in dreams. There's some connection between that and your, how you, what you, what you're laughing about or something. Is that sound familiar? Because I, I just had a vivid experience when you were laughing. I thought, oh, that's connected to the dread or whatever somehow. Maybe. Yeah, you know what? I think because my mom died young, I, when I did tell friends of mine, uh, sometimes people didn't believe me because I would laugh. And I, 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 I was just trying to make people comfortable. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's funny, weird I that I would see that. Yeah. Well, and you have to do that on stage too. Like if you want to tell a joke about breaking off an engagement, you got to be like, huh, but I'm fine. <laughs> like until you are. <laughs> but, but you're, but you're, but you're actually laughing at it. Yeah. For cause you. there's nothing yeah. out. Like that's how I cope with it. That's right. how I cope with everything. I mean, nobody makes more dead mom jokes than me and my <laughs> sisters to the point where we have to prepare significant others when they meet <laughs> our family. Because if you just, if you just unleash it on them, they're like, what do I do? This is a pack of psychos. And we're like, no, it's fine. This is, we've dealt with it. And they're like, oh, so you're fine with that? I'm like, no, we're all broken. But that's why you're here, Jared. Uh, no, Jared's great. Uh, and, and your sisters are cool. They're good. Yeah, they're yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they're all very funny and like cool and uh have no interest in this lifestyle because they're probably healthier than i am but uh i'm the oldest and i chose a career in show business so i just need so much validation but, apparently but you're but you're doing it and it's rewarding and yes. and you're doing not just the comedy or uh, not just the stand-up but the podcasting and finding other ways to express it mm -hmm. yeah yeah I hope so. Okay, good. You you said it, and then you asked me. Well, you, you said like, it. You had yeah, a little, and you I was like, a, I don't know. I thought. A, yeah, you had a look of fear in your face. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> what if I just? What if I keep laughing and then it just dissolves into sobbing? Would that be on brand for this I'm, show? That's what I'm going for. Has anyone cried on this show yet? Oh, I'm sure. You're sure? I, have we not had tears on this Has show? Has anyone cried? I, I don't think on this show. Not Bird yet. Cried, Bird cried when I showed him the cesspool man. <laughs> Oh yeah, and yeah, so you almost threw up. <laughs> well, yeah, but that was different that tears. Was, it different yeah. was tears, though. To be fair, uh, you, interesting. It's an interesting question because I'm I'm very accustomed to people crying when we talk about this kind of material. But yeah. but it may be that comedians don't cry as much as average. I hadn't really thought about yeah. it. I mean, we're not going for tears, but but yeah, it's, I think we we're more likely to laugh when we're that talking it? about it. It's well for sure, and that's what we like. You know, the mm -hmm. audience, all of us like seeing the funny. It's it gets us all away from that material sometimes. Hmm. Thank <laughs> you for that insight. That's interesting. Yeah, sure. Now, now I'm going for tears. <laughs> let's uh, let's do. I just think you should switch it up. Uh. All right. <laughs> Want to do some uh, emails? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. Want to ask a question about female ejaculation? Y'all ready? Hell yeah! Let's do it. All right. 
Uh, I've been blessed with the ability to always be able to orgasm and often enjoy masturbating rather than engaging with men when I'm single. Lately, I've been noticing when I orgasm, a thick semen-looking substance follows and makes me think I have a yeast infection. I do not have a discharge during the day, blah, blah, blah. What's causing it? Even if I talk about squirting, most women get uncomfortable or whine that they can't. <laughs> um, Are women whining that they can't squirt? Well, here's what I've noticed. Okay. Is that... This is not pertinent to squirting per se, though it falls under this umbrella. Women are each so different. Yeah. Right? And if you're not the same as somebody else, you start feeling diminished by that. Mm, mm-hmm. And even though there's no standard, there's no, this one's better than this. I, I've known particularly the women that have multiple orgasms with intercourse. The women that need direct stimulation feel mm. f- broken. When, oh, when that's it's, interesting. When it's just, that's but just, that's, I don't, it's but just their biology. It's, it's like their... way less women that can. Oh, way less. But yeah, it's, it's like five percent, maybe. They can... Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I think those five percent are lying. Uh, no, no, I'm, no, I'm they're joking. Not, they're they're, I'm it, completely joking. But I know, you know that's a real thing. What's weird is that it's so easy for them. They <laughs> think the other women are lying. Or really? That, or that they haven't figured it out yet. Like oh, it's like some. They're like those, pitying yeah, us. Right. It's like, just, oh, that's sad. <laughs> no, you need someone to really care about you. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, so women thinking less of themselves because somebody else does something is super yeah. common and really unfortunate, by the but way. But squirting just sounds inconvenient. That's a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. It's like you already got to, you know. Deal with a lot of stuff. Yeah, there's yeah, already well, a lot going on. Who needs more? But this isn't squirting. This well, is... it may be. It's just okay. not, it's not sort of squirting. It's just sort of a, rather than a full okay. ejaculation, it's just sort of a discharge. You might just have a weak squirt. A weak squirt. Like yeah. some men can really produce and some men it's sort of, mm. okay. women can be kind of like that too. So This is such a medical question. I was in not way, prepared for that. In a way, we do some, uh, some we have, and why is stigma? That's the other thing. Why is there stigma around any of this? Which is interesting. Yeah. Stigma. Women stigmatize other women. Stigmatize other women. They, they're brutal to other women. Yeah. I think I mean everyone's brutal to women, but yeah, we that, can. That you're right, but women are brutal to themselves, <laughs> and they're and they're brutal to other women more so than men are to them. Hmm. Although I'm not excusing men, trust me. Right? Yeah, yeah. I've just noticed women are really tough on each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. so did we answer that? Kinda. I- <laughs> I'm a 24 year old biological male. Is it normal after? Is it normal after jerking it? Some nights I feel like I have a full bladder, have to pee, yet I do not leak or at all, or dribble or blah blah blah. Two hours. I mean, an hour or two before you get frustrated enough just to go to sleep. Something is wrong. I mean, this is not prostatitis. It's sort of urethritis. You're, you're irritating your urethra. And so it can feel very uncomfortable for a while afterwards or hurt when you pee. Oh. And it can lead to prostatitis, actually. So, but, I'm uh, learning so much. Yes, we're trying to tell you all about, we'll teach you about the male. Now let's get back to the show. Me and a couple of buddies were talking about freeballing when one of them proceeds to tell us he has never done it. He only wears boxer briefs because he's afraid of getting his nuts tangled up with each other. What? Tangled Tang- up? With each other? Like Christmas lights? <laughs> How long are your balls, man? <laughs> exactly. I'm worried about that guy. Apparently he knows a guy who had this happen to them. The doctor had to cut open his bag. To- oh my God. Oh. He is not talking about that at all. Oh my God, people are... Our, our viewers, let me finish reading <laughs> and then I'll tell you what this is. Is getting your testicle tubes tangled up a common injury? Should I be worried about it happening or 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 go on letting my beaver bait swing free? Our, our guys have great command of language. I <laughs> uh, love your podcast. Keep them high and tight. Uh, so this is called um, testicular torsion. 
Oh my gosh, it, there's a word for this? It's not the get me a get me a picture of a testicle. There's two testicles pre preferably. This is there's, I did not expect it's this. It's not possible for them to get tangled up with each other. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard in my time. Okay, good. All they right. are sep they are God separated them there's testicular torsion. So uh okay, there's see that picture. Oh, they're the gray, twisting. The gray picture, yes. Oh, like that a one. tire swing. Exactly. Okay. On the right is a tor it's got it's Ooh. it twists on itself within the testic within the scrotum. And it can cut off its own blood supply. Uh, Dr. And Drew is showing me uh, drawings, by the way. Yes, it's, yes. This is very professional, yeah, this podcast. You would not show me live footage. No, that would be uncomfortable. Of testicular torsion. Tor torsion. torsion. Mm -hmm. So like you said, it's a tire swing. I like, yeah. I love, I like the way your mind works. If we're going to look at testicles, I got to relate it to something fun, yeah, like I, Christmas or summer. Christmas lights, <laughs> tire swings. Here we go. <laughs> So uh, yeah, and then and and sometimes it will relieve itself, but sometimes you have to go in and surgically re repair it, and it's a very serious thing because the testicle will die if the blood supply gets cut, oh, off, and it hurts like the crazy. testicle will die. Yeah, and and I would argue eh, you can still free ball. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm a 22 year old female. I have a chronic migraines for six years. No doctor's been telling me. Before we get to migraine talk, let's let's get a let's get a voice message in here. Something for Taylor. <laughs> All right, here we go. Sup, Dr. Drew and mommies. My name's Anne, and I have a question for Dr. Drew. I'm wondering why there is a positive correlation between how much caffeine I drink in a day and my clit. Sometimes I'll be at work, and the more coffee I drink, I'll randomly just get unexplainably horny and it's disturbing because I work in an office setting. So just wondering what your feedback is on that. And thanks. Try yeah, it out. Try it out. Indeed. You're looking, you're looking scared. No, I mean that just, to me, that just sounds like you're more awake to be you just horny. Drink, if you were a male, you would just drink more coffee. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you Female would be like, what's the correlation? Yeah, females don't think like and that. They'd just be like sick. More. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so. Venti. <laughs> But there, but I do know some women that get certain kinds of uh, mild sexual stimulation from even uh, other stimulants, like even cold pills. Some oh, get stuff like that. Really? So I've never heard of it from caffeine, but it makes sense to me that somebody might have that. Yeah, to My, me that just sounds like. I mean, I'm not, I'm not horny if I'm too tired. So it just sounds like you're it's awake. A, it's a little different. It's actually an okay. actual stimulation. And I'm gonna guess she's one of those super sensitive types. We were talking about that five percent. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. She's one of those. Well, I don't like her anymore. Ugh. Ooh, caffeine makes me horny. Get whatever. Up next. Can I get another green tea? With an espresso shot? Hey, Dr. Drew. This is Caleb. I'm a pre-medical student applicant right now and also a biochemistry researcher. I just saw you pop off with Jimmy Yang. And talking about the squirt is a pee, uh, I just wanted to uh, share with you my hypothesis. I also concluded and verified that squirt is pee. Uh, my girlfriend had a UTI infection and had to take the medicine. Uh, I forget the name, but it's the one that makes their urine kind of orange. Peridium. Uh, after that, Peridium. I, after we administered that, we waited some time. I did make her squirt, and the entire bed was then orange. All right. So uh, it is so, pee. All right. All right. Uh, there that's, might be some other fluids mixed in, but the majority is pee. That's pretty solid. That with you. That's uh, not, I appreciate it. Thanks. It's, <laughs> it's actually not good scientific thinking because the peridium could also get into other fluids than the urine, 
right? Oh, Peridium he can. is exclusive. Oh, okay. Well, he doesn't check that out. He assumed <laughs> that. Number one. Number two, what I said was for some women it is pee and for some okay. women it is not. I'm so dumb. I'm and, just like, yeah. So, I'm the I'm the person who goes to a science fair at, like at a middle school and goes like, I guess <laughs> potatoes are clocks. Like I'm just that checks out to me. The kid is going to the moon next year. <laughs> so yeah, so it is pee in the majority of cases, probably. Okay. And, and, and when it is, it's called female orgasmic incontinence. It's actually a different oh. thing. It is kind of a squirty thing, but it is not actually female ejaculate. Oh, but it's not as hot to be like. Guys want guys want evidence of their mm, yeah. guys just want evidence of what they've done. Yeah, they want some new magic. No, 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 no. Just okay. show us evidence of our hard work, and we're happy. Right. It doesn't. So it, they don't care that it's. They pee. don't care. They oh, don't they just want to know. They want something they, produced. Got it. They're okay. wondering what it is. They wonder about everything, but they like that something was produced for their labor. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. When I cry after sex, people aren't stoked. But it's not always. Is that, that squirting? Too. That's kind of. It's, and, if you cry hard enough, squirting for your tear ducts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think so. Like Charlie Brown, it kind of went out. I to call the side. it face squirting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and have you ever done that? Squirted? No. No. I don't. I cried. Cried after sex. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. What and, is and this? What, so, so, Amateur hour. So, and so, what do you tell your partner? I just okay? say like I love you so much. You do not say that. I do, and is sometimes it? that's it. Maybe. <laughs> so you have kind of happy tears. Yeah, yeah, I think sometimes I'm just like so overwhelmed and then other times... No, uh, guys would love the happy tear thing because again, it's producing yeah. something. It's it like, freaks them out at first well, but then if they, you're like, oh, I just am so close to you, they're like, oh, dope. Okay. Anything you can do that we can't do that we produce in you, we're all about it. Right. Yeah. Even if it's tears, even if it's tears, it doesn't matter. Any control. Not control. It it's like... I did that? Like, really that much? Tell me more. <laughs> Except when we're like crazy. If we're like yelling, nobody's like, I made her yell. No, not that. Not yeah. That. Um, but the tears they don't want to hear is like, it made me realize that I'm not as into you as I was. Oh, oh yeah. Was. No, you don't want yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's you're, not You're great. thinking through whether that has happened. Yeah, no, no, I no, didn't okay. do that. Okay. It's usually like overwhelming emotion. That's good. That's yeah, good. it's well not, done. So that's yeah. kind of squirting. We don't need to call anybody. It has the same effect for the male ego anyway. Yeah, that's good. Uh, next voice message. Hey, Dr. Drew. Uh, Scott calling from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Mm. Uh, long time fan. I love the new podcast. Keep those jeans high and tight. Uh, reason calling is for the last few months, I guess, I've been waking up in the middle of the night in like mid jerk and I Ooh. cannot figure out for the life of me why am I jerking off in my sleep? My girlfriend thinks it's fucking hilarious and uh she's woken up to it a few times and she brings it to my attention and I get unbelievably embarrassed. I have no idea why this is going on. It's something that's just started and uh yeah, anyway, look forward to your answer. Thanks, man. I think he actually also emailed us. I was just looking for his oh, email. Really? I saw that email here too. Well, first of all, marry her. Yeah. Uh, she's she's perfect. Uh, so, so, I mean, she's cracking up at this. She's like, ah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Instead of like, who are you dreaming about? Is it my friend? <laughs> so um, funny thing about males is uh, when they're in various states of consciousness, of, or of unconsciousness, really, they will reach for the schwanz. 
uh, one of the first things that males do when they come out of a coma, like when they're still of a light coma, like an awake coma, yeah, they'll be messing around with themselves a lot. Really? Yeah. And That's so gonna make it weird for their loved ones gathered. How about the, yeah, or the hospital? Or we're yeah. Just, <laughs> put the leather sheet on. Put the, put the plastic sheet over them. Um, <laughs> but it it's certain people in sleep. Uh, it, it means whatever it, it, it that part of your body is is. Uh, sort of awake let's say and your brain is just doing what it does you know it's just oh. you're not in a full state of consciousness and it's neither here nor there um but it, you, it means some sexual i don't say tension but there's need for discharge essentially yeah it doesn't sound like a problem not a problem especially yeah. you've discovered this with the woman in your dreams now um, yeah seriously uh oh here it is this is him he calls himself a sleep rapist <laughs> oh that seems i know I always want to be, uh, he, he's worried in this, in this email, it may not be the same guy. I want women to feel safe and comfortable around me, especially any of you that give me great pleasure for sharing the bed. Have you ever heard of anything we were talking about? It? He was, he was sort of worried that they would feel violated. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if this is a different, but this, this is, is a the different same, guy. I think oh, it's, it's a, a different, different guy. guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, you just need to find someone who thinks it's funny. Right? Yeah. They're yeah. out there. I mean, we just heard about, we one. just heard a story of hope and redemption. <laughs> and, and inspiration. <laughs> that was, it's, it's I mean, good for all males. Disney's going to make the movie next year. Oh, it'd be so I good. I can see it on freeform now. <laughs> My question is, since AI technology, AI and technology is getting more and more advanced, do you believe there will become a point in human history where there will be no longer a need for human physicians, for human doctors? Hmm. Um, no, that will not happen. Uh, there is a lot of clear data that pure logic does not is not as effective as the holistic approach of certain parts of our brain. Hmm. And... Uh, the way we're trained, exper the experiential learning has not yet been recreated in AI. And there's a kind of learning in the real world, in space, where we literally have bodily-based learning. Like we have feelings about things. And we, you know, I know things from across the room. I, I, when somebody walks in the room, I know what's going on medically with them because I've seen it a thousand times. Mm. I know what feelings it evokes in me. I know kind of what it smells like, looks like, walks like. I just know what it is yeah. when, when it walks in. And AI can't do that holistic uh, yet, uh, which what I would call a bodily-based instinct on the whole, right. on, on your impressions. And when we're when we're when I'm making a diagnosis, I use that part of my brain, and then I check it a billion times through lots of logical mechanisms to see if I'm right, where I'm wrong, and how to refine that sort of instinctive impression. Oh, that's interesting. So is, when I walked in, what was wrong with me? We got right to it. Yeah, that's <laughs> we've been we've been on it all. The but you whole show. said when you walk in. So when I walked in, were you just like abandonment issues? Uh, abandonment, uh, crying up to sex. Yeah, all that. All that time. <laughs> You're like, I yeah, saw, I saw that coming. I saw it coming. <laughs> uh, okay, we're gonna get to clips now. Now these clips have crazy names that I'm saying: uh, creepy twins, come huggers. I have no idea what that means. You're gonna be shocked and amused the way I am. <laughs> So, gentlemen, which should yeah. we start with? Uh, you know, we'll start light. We'll start with the creepy twins. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, just some twins that are really in sync with each other. Uh, and let me know if you've ever seen this before, Drew. All right. They're 32, and they've hardly ever been apart. There's just one time when they were 17. Only when one of us were in hospital getting our appendix out. But Bridget used to come in every visiting mm, mm, hours, hours when I could. But if I was allowed to sleep there, I would have. Ooh, creepy. This is what I want. That's called echo. I want to be a twin. 
I didn't know. I was watching Puppy that twin. going like, will, will you ride a bike in sync with me? Like that? Will you wear matching... Everything? Coles shirts with me? <laughs> uh, that was from Marshalls. <laughs> but, oh, you really... You're giving them a, a leg up if you're saying Marshalls. Uh, I guess so. That's Coles if I ever But there's seen a it. name for that speech pattern. It's called echolalia. Oh. And it's a, it's a primitive speech pattern, which means that this has been going on probably since they were babies and no one got in the way of it. Probably somebody thought it was cute. Nobody and, was like, let them finish? Nobody was like, let's um, get in the way of this. Yeah, let's yeah, get, yeah. Let's, let's, it, It's too cute. Look how they do that. Oh my God, it's so cute. And then yeah. here you are. I wonder if they dress the same just for TV interviews. I was wondering that too, if they were doing a lot of this for shtick. But yeah, is we, this a bit? Do we have more? I don't think it is a bit. Here's the next one. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, big God. Where is this going? As children, they resisted efforts to prize them apart. Um, apparently, when we were little, mum did separate us as when we were little toddlers. One stayed at Nan's place and one stayed at our auntie's. And we just, just non-stop screaming. And, mm. and that's when we were little babies, babies. We non-stop stop screaming. And so then they, when they put us back together, together we were quite happy. happy. Please send this clip to Kristen Wiig and uh, oh what's the name gosh. from Portlandia? Uh, Fred Armisen. Uh, Fred Armisen. Yes. They, do, they do a skit yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're trying to do this and they almost pull it off. These girls are doing it. I mean, this is my perfect relationship. Like, I just want someone who screams With nonstop you. while they're separated from me. Well, they wouldn't allow the separation because of the screaming. That's what I'm saying. Oh, I so want, you're actually... I want a ride-or-die motherfucker. You're jealous. And that's what these are. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I was ready to make fun of them. I can't. I'm like, they have what we all want. This is so far spoke more about you than almost anything we've discussed. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's continue. I want someone to have my back. This is more than having your back. This is having your innards. <laughs> this is, she's in, they're inside each other. I want someone to have my liver. Other. There you go. Oh. At school, their teachers that, that had to be the mom, right? That was mom. Yeah. Primary school, we were sitting at the same, same table, table, and they accused us of cheating because they thought we were looking at one another and saying doing this and, this and doing, doing that, that and but doing no the same way. questions. No, we rather die than, than cheat. So, so they um, um split us split up. And, and they, they gave, gave us a different, different, not not the exactly, exactly same, same questions what we had before. And, and we, well, well, we came out with the same answers and questions, and because they're were the just same. Shocked. Look at how they look at they each other. They're in love. And they said sorry. Things are strange in Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> they are, right? That's where this got to be. Where this is? No, um, I'm not sure. Melbourne? No, it's not Maybe Sydney. It they wouldn't allow this in Sydney. <laughs> they wouldn't allow it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Is there more or have we seen enough? Um, here's the last clip. Oh. The twin stream of married life. Married? Mar well, no. well, our plan is, is probably just next door, door to one another and have the exactly the same, same identical house. house. And even our furniture will probably be in the, the same, same spots. spots and, yeah. Yeah, or, or, or buy a creature and have built two homes. homes or have a real huge big, big home, home and all live together. Yeah. You They're going to have to marry twins, right? Siamese twins. Yeah. Because everything's going to have to happen together. <laughs> so so do you notice how one is the dominant? One sort of dominates in the conversation? Oh, yeah. Do you see that? And it's usually the one on our left. Yeah. That's sort of a little more. But the other one does sometimes take off too. It's very interesting. You. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't envy them. I don't envy them. Yeah, it's very interesting. Ew. <laughs> I know. 
It's a little creepy. <laughs> I can't I, imagine seeing my doctor and having her be like, yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> Come see me sometime. We'll see what that's like. <laughs> so, so, Drew, I guess I had a question. Like, is it too late to fix this? Or? I, it's going to be tough. It's, not, it's never too late, of course. Look, look who's sitting across from me. Uh, but, but, <laughs> but, but it's going to be tough. I mean, they're just so enmeshed, and that's the opposite of health and autonomy. But you know, I try not to judge other people's lives if that's how they were. And that, I'm, You're I'm doing little, a great job. I, I, I know. I'm a little concerned <laughs> about the mom. I'd have a couple of notes for her, but uh, the kids yeah. themselves. It's like, well, know. if they won't stop screaming, what are you going to do? You separate them. Yeah, you do what like, you got to do. That's, that's a red flag. Yeah, they probably did everybody sleep in the same bed and stuff too, because there's a little bit of screaming, probably. Yeah. Right. Oof. All right, keep keep it going. All right, so uh, the next clip that we're going to see, you know, staying on theme of, uh, I don't know, let's call it connection with other people. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, uh, we are now on to come hugging. So this couple uh, claims, uh, you know, they teach seminars on how to get this done. And I guess, Drew, the question is if this is actually possible or if this is all bullshit. I'm still seeing the twins. Up there. Hi, Melanie. And I'm Scotty O. With Ecstatic Hearts Tantra. And we just want to share that there are many ways to orgasm. Stop. You don't. Stop. That woman's never had one. <laughs> I guarantee you. I would bet a thousand dollars. I would bet a million dollars. I don't even have it. I'm always really bothered by people that are so affected when they talk about sexuality rather than matter of fact. Yeah. It's like you. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not on board with this. And, and, uh, I'm not sure he is either. He started going along with he it. He looks terrified. Yeah, terrified going along with it. So let's see where this goes. Go ahead. You actually have to be having sex. You can orgasm just from hugging. <laughs> the whole body can be orgasmic. And especially when you start reaching higher states of orgasmic ecstasy, um, everything can be a trigger for So orgasm. here's, here's, you're, you're right. Because yeah. she's never had an orgasm, doesn't know what an orgasm is. Yeah. She thinks she's having an orgasm when she hugs her boyfriend. Yeah. She's getting wet and moaning. Yeah. She's like, I did it. I had an orgasm. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. And he, how'd you know that? Because yeah. you know what? I, I was one of those people that had an orgasm really late, I feel like, for the first time. And I was just like, but like, what if I don't know if I'd had one? And all my friends are like, you'll know. <laughs> and then finally, oh, shit. No one said that to her. Right. The You're ears, so... the neck, the heart, the boobs, touching your body all over, eating can be orgasmic. I see, because she doesn't know what it is. Yeah, you have, yeah, you got it. I mean, eating is pretty good, but <laughs> I wouldn't say orgasmic. No, no. Taylor, ah! Taylor is the... She's like laughing yes. at them for filming her. Yes. She knows what she's doing is bullshit. Yeah. And yes. she's just like, <laughs> this is so funny. Look at the filming me. Yeah. Taylor, you're sort of the orgasm oracle. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. It's very good. Yeah. Can you see that as a, at a distance? Maybe? Oh, I can see repression from a mile away. <laughs> we don't like and these people. There's, even within that, there's different levels of orgasm. So it's like, like a way. Like he just said what she said. Very, yeah, He's going with it. So he actually can have an orgasm yeah. later in the day. He thinks this is going to pay off. He's yes. in this for the long game. Right. And still just about as good as most people's sex. Notice how he includes it in just about as good. He's like, well, don't go, don't go to the orgasm story. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm disgusted. This is, 
Do you think he wears a condom when they hug? Just for safety? I think he should. It's as good as sex. I found, I, I found that more disturbing than the twins. Yeah, that was enough. so much worse. <laughs> that sounded like me fake laughing at a joke my uncle made at Christmas. Yeah. Like, it was like, ah! I, I, I saw you do it a couple times to so, <laughs> stuff I said. So, so I, one of the reasons it really bothers me is that they're promoting something as though they have expertise when they have none. Yeah. And they're talking about it as though it's something that they've discovered and it's real and they're promoting it. That's, that's, keep it yourself, honey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What else we got? Um, so that's everything on. I see steroids make your balls shrink. Yep. We are oh. about to go over to, uh, I think his name is Richie Piana. Um, we covered this on your mom's house a couple years ago, and he's here with a PSA for all of us. Uh-oh. Hey, what's up, everyone? Whoa. Today I'm going to talk about do steroids make your balls shrink? Well, the answer is yes, they do. But let me throw this at you. Is that really a bad fucking thing? So, that guy with the twisted balls might benefit. Yes, indeed. It might make it, make it less likely to hang a twist. Mm-hmm. Visually and aesthetically, looking at, would you prefer to see a dick hanging lower than the balls or fucking balls hanging lower than the dick? I like the way he's thought about this. I think this is... Oh, my God. What'd she say? Her voice sounded lower than his. What did she say? She said... Dick hanging lower than the balls. She's on steroids too. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. I think that's sound logic, actually. It, it is sound logic, but um, that guy's taking a lot of steroids. Yeah, no, I'm worried about him. I mean, a lot. To get that big, you have to be taking, like, throughout the day, all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And that ain't, that is dangerous. Yeah, rest yeah. in peace. I think he died two years ago. Okay. Really? Shocking. Of course, you would rather see a dick hang lower than the balls. Now, some guys are blessed and have big fucking dicks, and some guys are fucked and have little motherfucking dicks. So, this guy's, guys dick is that so have small. balls that hang down lower than their dick, I would think they would want their fucking balls to shrink. He seems to hate dicks. He, his is he so says, small. He I says, mean, is that what it is? He's got a small he, dick? Look at how big his arms are. He has the smallest dick you've ever seen, I got guarantee it, you. Got it. I have big arms, and that doesn't correlate. Look, but he's overcompensating, oh, I see, is I what see, I'm saying. I see. Got it. Uh, because honestly, having balls hanging down below your dick is not the best look. And it only makes your dick look even smaller than it is. So, as opposed to making yourself huge. Yeah. Makes himself look like. Yeah, nobody tries to make themselves look like Buzz Lightyear <laughs> if they have a big dick. You just heard it from a hot girl, and I guarantee you every fucking girl out there is going to say the same fucking thing. They'd rather <laughs> see the dick hanging lower than the balls. Here's what I'm more interested in. Why did that part crack you up? Just that he's like, this girl's been sitting there the whole time and you are kind of like, why is she there? And, <laughs> and he's like, see? Hot. hot. Agrees with me. The hot girl opinion. Yeah. But my question is, men to some extent do that to themselves because they think it looks good to women. Right. And, and to a small group of women, it, I think it does. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. But to most, no. 
Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. Everyone's sexy to somebody, so yeah. it's like there's every look out there is somebody's particular. But, but to thing. go through all that and put your and kill yourself quite literally taking all yeah. these steroids, I mean, it just not doesn't make sense. To yeah, me. that girl would go out with you if you were at fifty percent, bro. Of uh, that, eighty percent less. Yeah, right. Yeah, Although, I love that she's on steroids too. That's hysterical. <laughs> well, yeah. That, Do you Go ahead, there's more? Go ahead. Don't girls out there that get turned on by a fucking pair of balls? No. Okay, so having the balls shrink maybe 20 to 30% is probably a good fucking thing. In fact, not probably, it is a good fucking thing. The higher your balls are, the bigger your fucking dick looks. Oh, we're back to that again. He's, I'm telling you, it's... That guy has a micro penis. Like, there's just no other explanation I'm so, for I'm it. I'm so glad you know what a micro penis is. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> actual clinical term. So, have you ever encountered something like that? No, I have do, and it's always a very challenging. Situation. I've never heard anyone call it anything else. Is that an impressive medical term? It's a, it's an actual term, right? Yeah. But are a lot of people coming in like I saw a mini pee pee the uh, other day? Like I feel like a lot of people know micro penis. Perhaps these days, I yeah. guess all those years on Loveline, they did not. Yeah. You know, I did radio for Everyone's a long like, time. it was a teeny tiny yeah, teeny like, weeny. It was the smallest penis. It was like my <laughs> pinky. Blah, 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 blah. And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Micro penis sounds a little more a fish. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And a little more, um, it's just not just official, but it's, it's a clinical syndrome. And so, you right. Know, like yeah, yeah, poor, yeah. Poor dude. Yeah, yeah. All right. Do you any more voice messages for us? We sure All do. All right. Let's do it. We got a couple more in here. Hi, Drew. This is Shane in St. Louis. Shane sounds depressed. Um, it's Sunday morning. I had a few beers last night. Ah. Woke up a bit hungover. Okay. Realized that I'm a bit emotional. I'm sitting here watching the Great British Bake Off <laughs> and uh, I'm tearing up as people are getting eliminated. And uh, Taylor's in love with you. What the uh, relationship between being hungover and emotional is, or why I'm so emotional when I'm hungover. I uh, love the show. Keep up the good work. I love you. Thank you. Taylor loves you too. I mean, and can you send and your details to the show? An and alcoholic in withdrawal? Get in touch with me. That's what you do when you're hungover? That's, I'm watching Great British Bake Off and it's really resonating with me. I'm like, I don't care if you have a problem, if that's what happens. I heard you're completely abstinent. I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm an alcoholic, or I would be. I think I have an addictive personality, and I just don't. And there's, like, alcoholism in both sides of my family. But either of your parents have, actually have it? They don't drink at all. Because my dad's never reason. been drunk. Same yeah, reason. Yeah. yeah, same reason. And what's the ethnicity? Uh, we're all Caucasian, yeah. Do better than that. I mean, Irish, Scottish. Uh, Norwegian and Norwegian. English. There's, yeah. Pretty good alcohol alcohol background. Yeah, so I just uh, don't mess with it, and it's so free and available to me all the time that I'm like, why even? It, it, you're see? very smart doing that, but what makes you think that that would happen to you? Uh, I think I like growing up. I was like an emotional eater, and then that took like years to kind of get out of, and then just even like I'll get addicted to relationships and whatever. Like I think I just have a very all or nothing personality, and I do have a tendency to self medicate if I'm not careful. So I try to be very self-medicate with aware of that. medicine or I think, I think when I was younger with food, uh, definitely with relationships. Um, and then, yeah, even now with like my psychiatrist, she'll put me on things or like, like she gave me a clonopin prescription and I was like, give me like 10 of them and I'm going to use them very sparingly. Did like, you notice that it 
you started thinking about it the next day and stuff. I think uh, I've only taken like two of uh. them. And again, like within like within like um, the last three weeks, because I'm just like, this is for emergencies. Because yeah. if I don't think about it that way, yeah, I think it would be easy for me to just be like, this is just what I do now. This is how I function. Well, this, your, your newfound love is probably an alcoholic. Probably, yeah. Strange. And when people have full-blown withdrawal, they can have any psychiatric syndrome under the sun, mm. including depression or emotionality or all kinds of stuff. And so, mm -hmm. not a surprise. Yeah. Not a surprise. But he, he manifested in a lovely way, though. It was. It was so yeah. nice. Yeah, it's very nice. You should stop drinking. But So, she'll marry an alcoholic. She won't yeah. be one. Uh, <laughs> next voice message. Hi, Dr. Drew. This is Cameron. I had a question about what is a patient's responsibility in researching what a medical expert tells them what to do, or in other words, mm. trusting a doctor. Yeah. I myself have never had any bad encounters with doctors, but my girlfriend's family has had countless scenarios where they either give them bad advice, you know, they prescribe them medication they don't need. So thank you. Really appreciate the show. Really interesting question. Uh, the, it's one of the reasons that you should cultivate a relationship with a physician, somebody you trust, somebody you have a track record with, somebody you can communicate with very openly and regularly and more than once if you need to review data or review the recommendations. Nothing more efficient than a caring, well-trained physician and a motivated, informed patient. So do inform yourself. That's part of your responsibility. Do ask questions. Do make sure that they're adequately answered. Keep coming back if you have any questions or if things don't seem to be going well. And by the way, not every, physicians are not right all the time, but usually if we can adjust course or if we can you know, see things over time, we really most of the time end up in the right place. Mm -hmm. So again, they're counting on you to participate in that relationship over time. Now, if it's, you know, if it's just a horrible reaction, I mean, bad things happen. Every, every time you interact with a physician, bad things can happen. Just, mm -hmm. just w walking into the office, you can catch things from other people. We can give medicines are dangerous. We can give you something to give you life threatening reactions easily, easily, easily. Uh, that's just part of interacting with the medical system. So, stay informed, but do not know the difference between your Google search and the physician's medical training. There's a gigantic distance. The stuff you know at the end of your Google search, no matter how extensive, we knew at the end of second year medical school. And then we did eight more years of training after that in the experiential uh, aspects, applications. So we've seen everything thousands of times, at least hundreds of times. And um, But we knew, would like you to be informed so you can uh, be a part of the process. Does that make sense? Did I say that in a yeah. decent way? I thought it was good. And I can't you, weigh in on that one. And if your doctor says, you, watch out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, what would you say? Yeah, that's a that seems like it wouldn't cultivate trust. No, but <laughs> Taylor's saying she doesn't trust me because I've said to a couple of times today. So where can we find you? Uh, you can go to my website, ttomcomedy.com. T Tom T H T O M T T O M comedy.com. Uh, get tickets to live shows. I'm filming my Netflix special at the Aladdin Theater in oh my God, Portland. Fa fantastic. Thank you. On November 10th, we're doing two shows, so you can uh, go to my website for that or the Aladdin Theater website. Um, and then Taylor Tomlinson on everything else. And then your podcast with Kelsey. Self-helpless. Self-helpless, mm -hmm. which I'm... Do you have guests on that one? We do have guests, yeah. We oh, have I guests. Gotta be, I gotta be a guest on that yeah, one. Yeah, we would love for you to be a guest on it if you mm -hmm. have time. Yeah. Where do you guys do it? We do it in uh, Burbank. We do it at the All Things Comedy Network studio. Uh, oh, nice. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do something. We'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I'll get in touch with your people. Yeah, have your people call my people. <laughs> uh, for me, Dr. Drew, Adam and Drew, uh, This Life, check out all those pods all at drdrew.com and uh, don't forget the uh, radio show New to 3 on AM790 in Los Angeles. And uh, doc again, it's all at drdrew.com for me and I think that's about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me. Good to see you, and uh, we'll see you next time. All conversations and information exchanged during participation in the Dr. Drew After Dark podcast or interaction on the drdrew.com website is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or physician medical advice or direction per se. You must always follow your medical professional's advice and direction. Nothing on these podcasts or posted on this site supplements or supersedes the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Please understand, I am not playing the role of physician in this environment per se. I'm educating. I am a licensed physician with specialty boards in American Board of Internal Medicine and American Board of Addiction Medicine.